Well, hey there, freaks. Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy, Marty Bent. We've got an incredible episode for you today. Sat down with Andre Neves from Koala Studios, and we had uh, a long-ranging conversation over some beers. Did not get as inebriated uh, this conversation as I did with Alex Ottoman of Lolly. Uh, sorry if I was a little bit too intoxicated by the end of the episode there. But sometimes you get lost in the sauce. You know, it happens. It happens every once in a while. Uh, Jesus forgives. Um, so I'm asking for forgiveness if I was a little too intoxicated there. Uh, speaking of getting lost in the sauce, don't get lost in the sauce this tax season, which is coming up fast. It means it's time to talk about crypto taxes. I know you freaks don't want to talk about them, but, you know, you may want to think about them. Don't fall into the trap of selling your crypto to pay your taxes. BlockFi helps crypto investors by providing U.S. dollar funding using your crypto as collateral. You get your crypto back at the end of the loan. It's that simple. Uh, BlockFi customers are using these loans uh, for anything from buying a house to funding a business. Visit BlockFi.com slash Tales from the Crypt to learn more about using your crypto without having to sell today. That's BlockFi.com slash Tales from the Crypt. Check it out, freaks. They also got uh, a new interesting interest-earning product there. Um, so definitely head over to BlockFi.com slash Tales from the Crypt to check that out as well. Um, I was mentioning uh, the episode with uh, the CEO of Lolly earlier, and Lolly is actually uh, our second sponsor today. Um, so Lolly is an extension that you download. You go to the, the extension store, whatever your browser is, and Lolly lets you earn up to 30% back in Bitcoin when you shop online. They have partnerships with 500-plus merchants uh, like Overstock, SeatGeek, Priceline, Hotwire, Walmart, CVS, Jet, Best Buy, Gap, Macy's, Hilton, Marriott. The names just keep on rolling. They've worked out these relationships for you to help you get cashback deals in the form of Bitcoin. It's safe and easy. Head over to lolly.com slash ref slash TFTC. That's lolly.com slash ref slash TFTC. We'll put all these links in the bio of this episode. Uh, and I hope you freaks enjoy it. I had a really fun time with Andre. Really excited what he's building with Lightning Koala at Koala Studio. Uh, and I think you freaks are going to love this conversation. Enjoy. From the what is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. We find ourselves... Here on a Wednesday night, another night in the relegation studio, a different studio than the studio I recorded with Alex Adelman last night. I had a little tipsy last night, drinking a lot of a lot of whiskey. We switched over to beer for tonight. We're drinking some Brooklyn Pilsner. My mother's calling me, Mom. I'll call you back later. Hope you're listening. Um, uh, and I'm very excited to have this conversation. This is actually a follow-up conversation of an earlier episode of Tales from the Crypt I had with Lightning Koala. I have this co-founder and co-CTO of Koala Studios in the studio with me. I'd like you freaks to meet Andres ne- Andre Neves. Excuse me. Andre, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. Excited to be here. Thanks for coming on, dude. Yeah. So had a good conversation with uh, Lightning Koala, probably about like f- when the Chain Code Residency uh, was. When was that? Late October. Late October. Yeah, yeah it was so. probably, yeah. Yeah, so about four months ago. Right. Uh, Koala Studios was just an idea, an incepted idea. That's correct. At, uh, at that point in time. Uh, and what was it last week? Last week you guys lost. Last your, Tuesday. Last Tuesday you launched your first game in Lightning yep. Chess. I was happy to play and tweet about it. 
is very fun. Uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty of what's been going on with Qualis Studio, let's mo- learn more about you. How the hell did you get here? How the hell did you find Bitcoin? Oh, man. Long story. Um, let's see. Uh, I had a roommate. Uh, we'll name him Ben for now. What's up, and, Ben? <laughs> and uh, he was uh, an ETH head, right? Let's, let's call him that. Uh, he, was, he was a dev like myself, a uh, software engineer. And uh, he was really, really interested in Ethereum. Uh, this was early 2015. Um, his, you know, I think his best friend is an early MakerDAO uh, team member. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he was preaching to the choir about ETH and Maker and, and DAI and so forth. Um, as an engineer, you, you figure that, you know, onboarding into crypto is quite complicated. But Ethereum, one thing I think they did well is, you know, they abstracted a lot of the blockchain-specific things, mm-hmm. um, and they had development tooling. And so uh, as someone who was brand new to it, it just made sense for me to, you know, essentially check it out. Um, and it just made sense. It was like EVMs, and, and I've, you know, I've worked with lots of containers and virtual machines and so forth. Um, and so it was all there. Uh, I think it took me two weeks to get a node running <laughs> and that was early days and 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 then it kind of made me a little sad what I mean, implementation i think it was geth okay. i don't remember specifically what year is this early 2015 mm-hmm. um so i don't even think blockchain bloat was an issue uh but it was just a little complicated at the time yeah um and then i went down the rabbit hole um you know shout out to the rabbit hole um but i went down that rabbit hole and and found bitcoin and found all the altcoins and and took me, you know, six months, seven months to realize that majority of it is, is crap um, and, mm-hmm. and Bitcoin is the real deal. Um, but there was no lightning, right? And, and, and so Bitcoin is still really, really low level, complicated protocol stuff. Uh, so it was a little hard to get into. Um, and then late 2016, um, I read about lightning and I said, oh, this is interesting. Uh, it's still really early on. I remember spinning up a, a node in testnet, um, you know, in the early, like, early 2017, mid 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just, it just progressed from then on. Uh, I think lightning specifically opens a lot of doors for engineers into Bitcoin because, you know, Bitcoin is pretty complicated. And yeah. So, yeah. So is there anything like in your previous life, uh, pre Bitcoin, uh, which there should be like a, a BC equivalent for a pre-bitcoin pb <laughs> like pre-bitcoin like was there anything right. like beyond like engineering uh, anything philosophical or uh yeah sort of economic philosophy that drove you towards bitcoin right so um i've always had this little itch in the back of my, my throat uh when it comes to libertarian ideology mm-hmm. um really just uh privacy security uh not necessarily anonymity to that level but privacy security, you know, not being a product, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, and so it, it kind of clicked something after I read about it and read the white paper like everyone does and, uh, you know, realized that it's much bigger than, than just a couple of people doing some online development. It's, it's really, really big. Um, and then it just, it just made sense. It clicked onto that, that nature, the, the philosophy that I had in the back of my mind. Uh, and I feel that because of my introduction to Bitcoin, I'm now much farther along into that time, into that, you know, thought of, of preserving your privacy, preserving your, your, you know, yourself against this wave of, of development that's happening on, on the Facebooks of the world, you know? Yeah. Do you think there's a great awakening happening? Do you think people are starting to realize the need for privacy? Cause I, we talked about Matt, Matt Murad 
Mamadav and I uh, <laughs> on Rabbit Hole Recap a couple of weeks ago talked about it. Murad and I sort of agree there's like a bit of apathy out there. People right. don't give a fuck. Like there's been so many hacks. Equifax, Target, Facebook, you name it. Yep. Your all, data, all, of them. all kinds of data, all the data that you, that is near and dear to your heart has probably been taken by hackers somewhere, but it seems like nobody cares. Do you think they're, do you think that's true or do you think people are waking up? I think it it's, goes hand in hand with any uh, world, regard, any world change, regardless if it's political or not. If it affects you directly, you will have, you know, very strong, you know, thoughts and, and you will want to change it or you, you want to modify it, whatever it is. If it does not affect you directly, chance, chances are you're not going to give a crap. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, a couple people have been affected directly and, and they're starting to pay attention to where the data is and, and am I the product for this platform? Um, but I think it's still really early on for us to say that there's a great awakening. I think it still needs another, you know, maybe three bull runs for people to realize that, oh, okay, Facebook really is an evil e-corp. Yeah. Right? yeah. No, it's... Um that's no, crazy, like, the avenues through which, like, Bitcoin can provide, like, individual sovereignty. Like, we're talking about our data being used and sold by these corporations, these right. silos of data that we openly give our, tra- our web traffic information to on a daily basis, myself included. Um, but then it's also providing, like, financial sovereignty in, like, places like Venezuela. So there's, I mean... It also provides data privacy as well at the blockchain, but the probably driving use case there is either to preserve their wealth or convert it to U.S. dollars in some some way or fashion in a remittance remittance play. Um, so I don't I don't know where I'm going with this, but I'm starting to say maybe people recognize the sort of financial sovereignty it provides before the privacy, and maybe the financial is a Trojan horse to figuring out that you can use this like maybe. Uh, like using a lightning node to to travel the web, like uh, WebLN, right. they're talking, and and you can sort of hold your data there. Correct. People yeah. will come to it for sound money. Maybe I'm just fucking spitballing here. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a if you imagine a spectrum where privacy is in one side and user experience is in the other, it's it's mm-hmm. very clear that um, you know the average Joe and Jane are on the very far end of that spectrum into user experience. Uh, it seems that users will give up any sort of rights and control of, of their data and so on if they can get that experience that they want. Um, and because of that, I think that great awakening in relation to privacy will take a little longer until we can bring some of that user experience into the privacy sector. Um, I think it's still very hard to be a private internet citizen. Uh, you need to have lots of tools. You need to have lots of you know experience. Uh, I feel like the future will require people to be really good internet citizens, and that will mean a lot of education um, and into how that actually works and how to secure your data and be a good a good participant. Yeah, right. We, uh, we've talked about this a few times on this podcast. Um, <clears throat> people are, are going to need to sort of go through a learning process uh, similar to the way we did when we first got industrialized plumbing and like right. people didn't know how to shower or like yeah. wash their hands or wash their ass and literally had to learn how to be clean. Luckily they did because <laughs> it, uh, it helped increase life expectancy and overall health uh, and cleanliness of the world. But it was a process like people had to learn how to do that. And, and like, I guess the point I'm getting to like, will the UX 
for Bitcoin and uh, basically taking your wealth into your own hands, becoming your own bank. Uh, will it ever be as seamless as like opening the Bank of America app? And I, I think maybe not, especially if you're talking about handling uh, private keys and stuff like that. Yeah, so, I think key management is very, very important. It's a problem that I don't know that we have a solution yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in general, I, I tend to think that if you give it enough time, the UX will help and it will get there. It's just a matter of will Bitcoin become too big to the point or, or it will become something else. Uh, it'll go in a different direction. Uh, you know, state actors will affect it and, and, and shift it, its direction um, to the point where it's, it's no longer something that developers like myself uh, and, and others are trying to create experiences on top of. Um, it, you know, if it goes the way it's, it's been going, I think, you know, give it a couple more years and we'll be able to automatically whip up your phone, connect it to your home node, whatever that is. Um, I read a tweet today. I think you retweeted it about, yeah, about the putting nodes in the PS3s and, yeah. and Xboxes. Yeah. Every, every kid has one of those, right? right? You plug in a node in there and, and as, as long as it's quote unquote self-manageable, it's not very hard to deal with. It's, it's very, you know, low level. You just leave it and it just runs for you. Um, that's genius. Always yeah. plugged in, always on the internet. Yeah. Like, no, it is genius. And I think actually this is a perfect segue in like talking about Koala Studios and what right. you're, you're talking about, like uh, the big topic in Marty's bent and on uh, this podcast, Rabbit Hole Recap in particular has been like gaming as like a killer use case. Like, and that actually leads to another point, like gaming using Lightning Network as sort of a, a bet and wager and microtransaction layer and, and the potential to onboard people via the lightning network first instead of uh on chain first is also enticing I'm, I'm not uh fully abreast to the ux around that um so i guess what we can dive down here is like let's just explain let's dive back into like catch up where we left off with koala four months ago what's sure. been going on since october uh how why you guys decided to launch now How's it been for the last week? And then we'll jump into like cosmic shit about uh, <laughs> about like how gaming can help Bitcoin adoption. Yeah. So uh, it actually all started in, at the residency. So Koala was a speaker. Um, Jack Mallers was there too. We had people like Alex Bosworth from Lightning Labs. We had Christian Decker from Blockstream, like amazing speakers uh, and some amazing, you know, residents as well. We had the, the, you know, Pierre was there. I was there. We had people from, uh, from Bitlum and ZigZag, the decentralized exchanges, um, you know, just lots of, of, of good people. And um, we kept on coming back to, uh, you know, the idea of business models. How do we create uh, real business models now that we have the ability to make instantaneous microtransactions? Uh, you know, you think that, oh, great, microtransactions. Sure. What's the use case, right? Show me a use case that provides you that that magnitude increase in terms of user experience, or or wh where's that improvement? And um, one of the things that kept coming back was was gaming, and it was, you know, there's two industries that always lead the pack. It's it's porn and it's gaming, um, and and I think gaming specifically, it's it tends to be a younger audience. Uh, they're more you know, native to the internet. They're more into, into the weeds and in these kinds of things. Um, and, you know, they already have the idea of money. Uh, a bunch of these games have. So WoW has, you know, gold and so forth. League of Legends. Uh, we have Fortnite and all of these kinds of games. Um, and so it just kind of made sense for us to do a proof of concept of can we create a business model that is, you know, stable, scalable, and so forth using microtransactions inside of the Lightning Network. Um, 
in a game that's familiar, right? So Kuala and I started talking. Uh, we both speak Portuguese. And so, you know, instantly it kind of just hit it off. Uh, we have similar backgrounds. We're both full-stack engineers. Um, he's slightly more on the back-end side of things nowadays, and I'm more on the front-end side of things. Um, and so after leaving the residency, it was a great experience, learned a lot. And I think it was four days later, Koala reached out and said, hey, I'm, I'm all in in this gaming uh, situation. Let's, let's build it. And and from then on, we've been I've been seeing his his face every you know every week. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry <laughs> to hear that. <laughs> yeah, just uh, kidding. No, Qual is great. Um, and and then from then on, we we just started building. Uh, we we worked out what the plan was, what the situ you know what game we're gonna tackle, and um, we chose Lightning Chess. Really, Chess was uh, Jack was the one that positioned Chess to us. Uh, he's a he's a good chess show. I, I don't even know. He's a genius guy when it comes to chess. <laughs> um, and you know, we just we just went for it. We built it. Uh, we used a lot of uh, you know, like development. We used a lot of open source packages and so forth. So, um, but really, the, the goal with Koala Studio is is twofold. One is can we provide the proof of concept for that new business model based on microtransactions? And then two. Um, it's really early days into this, so the expectation that you'll have that people will just join and you will make, you know, you get revenue simply based on the volume of Lightning Network enthusiasts isn't really there. The real play is the infrastructure play, right? Similarly, how you have, um, you know, how do you provide the infrastructure so that users can come into Lightning and subsequently developers can build their games into Lightning. Uh, you know, you have indie game developers who have a hard, really hard time monetizing their their games, and now there's a really quick entry, right? Soon enough, you'll have a Quala Studio SDK or LDK, which we're trying to come up with. It's Lightning Development Kit, and you know, w will it work? I guess we'll have to see. But that's a, an easy stream of of revenue that they can easily pipe into, and they don't have to worry about securing the funds. They don't have to worry about any of that, and so. Yeah, it's it's this is kind of where we're we're headed towards. Is there any uh, other than what you guys are doing and a couple other competitors like Satoshi Games? Like, is there any other like indie game developers that are into Bitcoin? Like, is there a, a crossover there? Uh, do you think, or have you experienced? And yeah, so we had a couple people reach out to us in Telegram. Uh, a lot of Unity and C plus plus developers, uh, game developers, and coming in with tons of feedback. Uh, one guy in specifically. Uh, you know, I, I don't actually remember his name. He he just gave us 20 bullet points about why we're doing something wrong and and you know how we can improve it. And you know, feedback's great. Um, but but then we realized, oh, he's an actual Unity game developer. So his you know his games are very different than Lightning Chess. What right? do you mean? Uh, What's a Unity game developer? Uh, so Unity is like a graphics engine. Um, okay. So that's how you build. You know, it's one of the ways you would build a, a real full-fledged game like a halo um, or something like, like a halo or, or a Fortnite of, of sorts um we we build chess in, in javascript right so it's you know there's no physics engine for chess yeah it's very different uh, so he's thinking really in the gaming industry and we were really trying to make a proof of concept using games into lightning network um, but we got a lot of, of of people reaching out to us and asking how would they incorporate that into their games and even people you know is this open source can i help i'm a game developer uh, so I think there's some some you know that kind of kind of correlation there that people seem interested, uh, but it, it's like I said, it's early days. I think that if there's a standard and a de facto SDK that they can easily jump into, I think that would kickstart you know a revolution that people will jump into Lightning Network. 
um, especially because it's it's Bitcoin and, and the Bitcoin brand is so strong. Everyone knows Bitcoin. So if you can all of a sudden earn Bitcoin just by you know a couple lines of code into your already built game, it's a win-win situation. Right. And then, again, because I was actually tweeting about this like right before you got here um, with Jonathan Libov. Shout out, Jonathan. Um, like gaming is going to be the Trojan horse to get Bitcoin in the hands of like kids. So imagine... You have the opportunity to win V bucks or Satoshi's. Like as soon as the kids realize that like Bitcoin has uh, an upward uh, valuation potential, unlike V bucks, like they're it's going to be a no no brainer for them. And like the collision of the gaming world, which is one of the fastest growing industries in the world, and Bitcoin just seems so natural and almost almost like it's destiny uh, at this point, especially with Lightning enabling all this stuff. Right. Uh, so to to your point earlier, I think, um, you know, I, I have a nephew uh, who's, oh man, I'm going to get his age wrong. I don't know. Really young, uh, four or five. I, I actually don't know. And uh, it's okay. It happens. I'm an uncle yeah. too. <laughs> he is, it's hard to explain, born into the internet. There's, you know, no version of, of the world without it. And he, using a smartphone was second it was just part of his being right he just knew how to swipe he knew where to click it was just natural now you're telling me that five years from now newborns you know five years later won't be having this notion won't have the notion that money just flows right it's what you're saying bitcoin it's there's no barrier so let's say you make some money somewhere on bitcoin or you have some money it's it's no longer v bucks that's only used in that platform it's you can get it out and you can use it somewhere else you can you can eventually pay your coffee with it you can buy some food you can so it there's no barriers between these platforms it's just it's in in the ether that doesn't sound good (laughs) it's it's just around us right it'll just be this this network that's around similarly to the internet right and it's it's fascinating because we're like screaming like how are people going to adopt it how are people going to adopt it but once like with game again coming back to gaming like thinking about so let's talk about this like you were at bit devs and gave a presentation on monday night you're talking about the feedback you've gotten like the number one uh request is being able to watch games live and bet on them so like adding that aspect to gaming alone which doesn't exist now does it i mean we have twitch but it's slightly different right yeah yeah well even with twitch you can you can send lightning uh, invoices in Twitch, okay? Or just hold up a QR code on your screen right, as well. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. it definitely opens uh, the capabilities of interactions. You mm-hmm. know, if you can, essentially, if you can spectate a game, let's let's use lightning chess as an example. Uh, let's assume Jack is playing against Marty and uh, we can add some sort of customization, personalization to the users, then all of a sudden we have people from all over the world betting on you, the, the outcome of this game or even betting on where Jack will move the next piece, right? You can go as granular as that or as big as who's going to win this game. That's for the D-gens. <laughs> <laughs> and, That's true degenerate prop bet shit. <laughs> and... And gaming is just growing at, you know, esports leading the pack, of course. You know, we have these massive, massive, uh, you know, stadiums that are filled with people just watching other people play games. And so it blows my mind. And and it's going to be a. Would you ever go to one of those? I think I would to to check it out. You know, I don't. You're not going to judge a book by its cover. Yeah. I want to see it. I want to I want to feel it. I feel like it's more of an experience rather than just watching a game. Um, It's kind of. You know, not to hate, but I'm not a huge baseball fan. But people go to baseball games to 
to get drunk, right? They, they, they enjoy the company of people and, and all of a sudden you're watching the game too, but it's, it's really the experience that you're, that you're looking for. Guilty. Um, <laughs> so, you know, bringing it back to gaming, it's, you know, 2020, there are studies that say, you know, year over year, it, it continues to grow at an exorbitant, you know, percentages. And at 2020, they're, they're saying it's going to be a $125 billion industry growing at 14% year after year, you know, 10, 10 more years. What is that going to be like 250, $500 billion? So that's becoming one of the biggest industries in the world. And, you know, can we carve a little space for Lightning Network to in true to that industry right and i feel like it could be like throwing jet fuel on the fire though like with all the possibilities you got so like we were talking uh last week about uh the ability in like these rpg games to as a spectator buy like zombies to send at the shooter or buy him lives or health or freeze him in in midair for like five seconds like the interaction is just going to be like i can see trolls Hopping online and just fucking with players, like yeah, spite. I think it's it's similar to how uh, you know you have services that that bring these, uh, you know, you, you think these celebrities are untouchable, right? They they have these lives and it's great, and then you get a little glimpse into their inner lives, uh, even if they're faking it in some sort of Instagram or, or Facebook lives or Snapchats, and so. Uh, it's that interaction, that you know, real interaction between the two people. So if you can see you're the best gamer in the world and he's playing this game and you can actually interact with him through a microtransaction, you can say, hey, here's some lives, you know, you keep going, man, we love you. Or, or you suck, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some, you know, whatever it is. And, and so there's all of these new, you know, game theoretical scenarios that you have to, that you can create. And, and, and then the interaction makes it, personal and people really get into it right i mean you see like the uh the beginnings of this with like youtube super chat right right yeah, i remember like, that yeah. like fans of particular youtube channels just like literally paying youtubers to read their comment um fuck youtube you should implement lightning network cut all those <laughs> fees out you know it would be easier that way too like that's something you can implement it too um but it, the it feels like again like we talk about podcasting and how it's like really early early uh early days for podcasting in general and then youtube youtube's probably a little bit more established but creating your own personality and your own brand and being able to monetize that um it seems like people are starting to figure this out and and basically what you have to do is break down the barriers and if you're able to set up a a seamless onboarding UX for like the lightning network, which I think you guys have done actually. So we'll get to that in like yeah. in a couple seconds here, but I think it's just going to be like a no brainer. So that's what we were talking about last night with Alex, even like we were, ta- we were talking about retailers and how they're trying to compete with Amazon. Like it's going to get to a point when Lightning's fleshed out. If it does become as successful as we think it m- could become and is working seamlessly, like it is going to be irresponsible as a business not to utilize it, especially in a payment slayer. Yeah, uh, two two points there. One is uh, is you know the Twitter, uh, you know the lightning tro- torch and all of that, and Jack getting in the middle of it. Um, people were discussing, you know, oh, it, they're going to add lightning to to you know Twitter or and or Square Cash, and people are and because he said it's it's a matter of of when rather than if. Um, so to that point, it's it's really early. So you you know you still have routing issues, you still have capacity issues. When when it's all fleshed out, you know, two years down the line, and we don't have any of these 
bugs and issues in, in the Lightning Network. It's the same way that an investment advisor would tell you know the the PM and say, hey, it's probably not a bad idea for you to invest one percent in Bitcoin because it's an asymmetrical risk and you know there's countless studies that if you if you just get some exposure to it, so it will be it's what you're saying it would be um, a bad move for an investment advisor or for game developers or application developers to not use Bitcoin and Lightning Network. Yeah, it's getting to a point where it's riskier not to have a little skin in the game than it exactly. is too. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. Like the, I don't know. I, I think, I think the decade Bitcoin hitting a decade old was a big mile marker. I think that's just Agreed. psychologically like huge in people's minds. Yeah, it's like breaking the the twenty k or the ten k's or right? the five k's and and prices and well, in that same vein too. I'm like also a big believer. Like biggest or Bitcoin's biggest price hurdle is going from zero to one dollar. Everything above that yep. is like. It's just, smooth it's just waiting right um, right right so yeah it's crazy i fucking love this shit <laughs> um but yeah let's talk about your onboarding process onboard so like hypothetically um especially with your voucher program somebody could get onboarded to lightning and bitcoin via koala studios absolutely we, so, yeah, so i'll describe my okay. ux experience so i got the email to get last tuesday when you guys launched uh lightning chess and I was literally set up with an account in five minutes. Like I wrote down my, uh, so what you do is you hit create account and you get a, a key, basically similar to a Bitcoin private key, but this key gives you access to your Koala Studios account. You write it down. I wrote it down on pen and paper like a freak. <laughs> Probably could have just copied and pasted it. Right. So that took me like two minutes. Should have taken me like two seconds. Um, and then, yeah, I hit next. There was, a voucher, there was a voucher code in the email, so I used that, got 100 Satoshis, and then I played Jack Mahler's in uh, chess right away, beat his ass, Sure. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I won a little bit. So hypothetically, like, if you get on with a voucher and 100 Satoshis, you could, you could maneuver your way to uh, maybe 1,000 Satoshis. Yeah, so the onboarding was something that we paid a lot of attention to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Kuala and I come back, come from a, a background in application development, and and me primarily on the front end. So I'm very used to, you know, how do we create a seamless, you know, frictionless onboarding to this to this brand new and complicated uh, system. And so we wanted to make it very easy. We wanted to make it seamless and easier. easiest way is, you know, very familiar to people is this private key scenario. So what we do is, you know, in the server we create a key and we hash that key and we show that to you. So what you have is essentially a recovery key that, that allows you to, recover your funds from your account. If you lose that, uh, we actually can't help you. You know, your funds are stuck and, and until you're able to prove it and there's really no way to prove it. Um, so really, uh, you know, you, you get these these vouchers, you enter them into Koala Studio after onboarding and right off the bat, you're, you're able to play. Uh, but one thing that we wanted to do is is make sure that we're not just limiting the the Lightning Network enthusiasts to use the platform. We want to make sure that everyone could use it. So Lightning Chess is entirely free. You can actually go create an account. You don't need to fund it. You don't need Satoshis. You can play chess against whoever and, and your friends and so forth. Um, but if you want to use the premium features, that's where the monetize, monetization comes in, and that's when you need the, uh, the Satoshis. Um, yeah, so it's it's pretty pretty smooth. We've gotten a lot of feedback, and people seem to like it a lot. Yeah, and then it's crazy how all these things are coming together, too, because I eventually did end up topping up my account with some of my own Satoshis, and I had my Casa node extension in the browser, and literally got the, like, said I want to send 10,000 Satoshis 
clip that in. I got a um, an invoice request from you guys. Hit my Casa extension. Boom. Ten Done. seconds. Like not yeah. even. Probably less than ten, ten, less than five seconds. Like yeah. And and if if the infrastructure is there, technically there shouldn't be any routing issues. There shouldn't be any capacity issues. So you know you had a perfect experience because your node was already pre-connected to to you know to good channels. Um, the assumption is down the line, everyone will always be really connected to all channels. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to jump into the future of Koala Studios, but I also want to talk about Chain Code's residency more. <laughs> we, we can we can talk about it all. We got plenty of time. Let's go back yeah. to the residency and like, sure. what the hell? Like, so we've been talking pretty high level about how you're, um, like implementing Lightning, but like, what about Lightning specifically as like a as like what is it, a messaging layer, a messaging system? Is that what it would be defined as? Uh, or? We have a, what is it's like a, the, the gossip network? Yeah, the gossip network. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. So, like, as a gossip network, like, because like, there's a lot of lightning FUD out there, too, but, like, as a solution, uh, as a second-layer solution, like, what excites you most about it, like, as a developer? I think, and was this taught to you at, like, Chaincode's residency or sure. something new? Uh, so a little bit of, of the residency, we, we were there for a full week um, with the mentors and we had the full week to learn throughout the, the mornings and the days and then in the afternoons we would build something. Uh, so I built a task board for uh, questions actually, uh, which I'm aiming to open source because Koala Studio took all of my time and, and I didn't get to finish it. Uh, but essentially I think, I think Lightning, uh, I think it, it, it validates the the ideas behind uh, easy, instantaneous uh, value transfer on the internet. I think it really, for the first time, we see a system that actually lives up to you know what what it's meant to be. Uh, we think of Bitcoin that way, but it, there's all the criticisms for Bitcoin. It's slow. It's X transactions per second, and so forth. Um, and I think Lightning actually puts all of the ifs and buts to question, and and it lives up to that dream. Mm -hmm. um, so specifically on the protocol, um, you know, I'm not a protocol developer, so I, I don't know that I would know all the specifics of it. Uh, but it's a, it's a, it's a gossip network. Uh, a large part of it is the gossip network that, you know, nodes talk to each other uh, and it's more or less fully automated. You, you still need to, uh, we're still creating the abstractions on top of the nodes so that users actually don't need to manage channel funds and incoming capacity and so forth. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, something that excites me is, you know, it's really those models. It's how can you use microtransactions? It's a brand new scenario that's never been available, and it's it's bringing the simult uh, it, the instant instantaneity of you know the, the that was a, information. That was, impressive. that was an impressive pronunciation. <laughs> instantaneity, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, so it it just it just lives up to the dream, honestly. And and ever since the very beginnings of it, when I spun up my testnet node. It just worked, and that was it like it clicked, and and it, all of a sudden I said, okay, this is real. It works. I'm trans transacting, you know, testnet Bitcoin with people in China and Japan and so forth. Um, I remember when I received my first, you know, someone random person paid my testnet invoice, uh, and all of a sudden I said, oh, this is great. I don't even know where it came from, but but I, I got paid, you know. So it, it it really excites me that it's it's real. Yeah. Yeah. No, talk about like. Testnet is like people have been using the testnet to test the uh, satellite API, and that dude right. from Eastern Europe who was just sending messages, and Grubles was that was like receiving them. 
and and dissect them. And like nobody knows where that dude's from. Could yeah. have been Adam back at like Blackbird's <laughs> headquarters making a story up, but there's a someone did a blog on on the satellite, right? They started putting a bunch of yeah, actual, his daily journal, yeah, daily journals, yeah. And then the torch uh, from Samson Mao, he, yeah, he, he said, oh, the next person needs to send me a torch through the satellite, and you know, it's 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 fascinating. I I can't wait until it's fully fledged and everyone has nodes and. It's just going to be like the internet. Value and, and wealth will just be transferred instantaneously anywhere you want. So what uh, exactly needs to happen uh, in regards to Lightning Network development to get it to a point where it is fully fleshed out? Is there is the roadmap sort of, again, fleshed out? Uh, is there any unknowns that, that we sort of need to uh, identify and, and fix or... Is, yeah. it, is it like a seven-stage uh, transition to proof of stake <laughs> that he's doing, or is it a little bit more cut and dry? So I think it's a little more complicated because it's a decentralized you know, network built on top of another decentralized network. Um, so as much as there are bigger players that are trying to you know, work the protocols and make sure that, that we're following the best practices, you know, we have companies like Blockstream, we have Lightning Labs, we have Async, we have... Um, you know, many others that are trying to drive that, you know, that protocol development. Uh, I think it's really early days. And so for it to reach this stage that we're talking about, a lot of abstractions need to be introduced. Uh, it's what I was saying earlier. The average Joe doesn't want to know anything about this. He doesn't want to manage his channels. He doesn't want to know. He just wants to use it. Yeah. I'm going to raise my hand here. Like, I suck at managing my channels. Yeah. Like, I fucked it up, set up a bunch of autopilot channels. And oh, man. I got the torch and had to, like, fucking close <laughs> down all my autopilot channels, like, send Bitcoin to my node up and other channels to get it working. And that's because I'm an ignorant, ignorant rube. Like. And and then you think about it, right? If, if you could, so um, you can't yet increase your channel capacities, right? There's this new um, availability called Bitcoin. splicing, which will be introduced in, in 1.1. And splicing uh, essentially allows you to in increase or decrease your channel capacity one way or another um, without having to do a closing transaction. So if I have a channel with you for X number of switches and I want to you know, increase that channel, I can't do that. We need to close the channel. So it means wait 10 minutes or whatever block time for Bitcoin to to you know that transaction to go on chain and then we need to create a new funding transaction to go on chain so it's still really early um but it, it you know once it's once it's abstracted um you know alex bosworth is very vocal on twitter about how to manage his channels and he actually did a really good presentation on the chainco residency uh, about it but it's it's a full-time job it's still yeah. a full-time job you gotta like send satoshis between channels like to show that you're uh you're a good uh, you're a good node. You're a good node. Good routing node. Yeah. Yeah. He 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 definitely explained to us that uh, if you're trying to be a routing node, then it's a full time job. You need to be a full full time routing node. And usually, people would have two nodes because you definitely need incoming capacity, so you can use your second node to create incoming liquidity for you. And then once that liquidity is gone, you would create a new channel back to the other node. And uh, it it's a lot of work. And I think autopilot is getting there, but it's. Again, early stages for it to say that it's, you know, anyone could do it. Yeah. But how f how rapid is the development compared to, like, the protocol level of Bitcoin? The development of the protocol? Oh, of, so compared to Bitcoin development. Yeah. So Bitcoin development is definitely, uh, to the outside world, it's much slower. And I think it 
should be. I think it has to. It should be something that's really hard to change. Uh, if it was easy to change, I don't think it would have lived 10 years, you know, to this day. I tend to agree. Sorry? I said I tend to agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's what people say. It's, it's not a bug. It's a feature, right? It's that situation. And there's a lot of criticism on that. But I, I think if, if it can become, the word that everyone uses is ossified. Mm-hmm. If it can become ossified in the future, I think it would be great. And That's what you want. I mean, if we're coming from, to it from an economic sound money perspective if it is going to be a store of value you want to know that it's not going to change like, yeah you want to have that certainty in your mind like hey this is it's going to produce blocks roughly every 10 minutes in this fashion maybe in the future we'll use schnorr signatures or something like that but at a certain point in time it's like all right this is it this is all we need yeah i think the improvements need to be worth it right yeah. and and to be worth it it needs to be worth to the greater population using Bitcoin, which just grows day after day. And so it's, it's hard to, uh, you know, see, you know, the, the block size discussion that's arising in Twitter now about decreasing it. Oh that's God. a whole other thing that put me out of my misery. <laughs> I'm done. We just finished the other fight against, you know, big blockers. Now we want to go lower blockers, small blockers. Are the crabs in a fucking bucket right now, dude? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can fucking chill out. They're really bored as fuck. Like, it's the world of Bitcoin. It's, yeah. it's always fighting. Um, but in, in terms of lightning development, I think back to the point, it's, it's really can we create the abstractions to create the user experience that, that will drive the adoption? I think SDKs is one way. I think better lightning wallets is another. Um, I think better work in creating non-custodial, um, oh, sorry, in a way to create non-custodial so you, you're, you're, essentially you're, you run your own nodes. Um, if we can abstract the difficulties of it so that, like we were saying, put it on a PS4, put it on an Xbox, and then you, your phone just connects to it automatically, right? There's definitely a future there where there's a company who will sell you Bitcoin slash Lightning Network nodes that you just put, you know, one or two nodes in your house and your phone and all your devices automatically connect to it. And there's some little password exchange there. And all of a sudden your money is just available everywhere you want. Um, so really it's, it's the same way Bitcoin is layer one. We have Lightning layer two. I don't know what other layers will exist uh, and if there will even be layers or if it's just applications or, or abstractions that will, you know, top it off so that the average person on the street will be able to use it. Yeah, and uh, this is another thing I'm fascinated by, and I think you can definitely provide more color on, is like Ethereum, like you said, you got into it because it was easy to develop on and sort of drew you uh, as a developer in that aspect. Do you think Lightning provides the same sort of experience for developers and opens the opportunity for, like, I guess the question I'm trying to get at is, do you think Lightning maturing will provide a tipping point of developer interest that has previously not existed in Bitcoin, per se? Yeah, uh, I want to say that it's, it's almost better um, to a certain extent. I think if you have, you know, we, we're grateful that we have great protocol developers building the great clients. So we have awesome people building LND, we have awesome people building C Lightning. And, you know, specifically me, I, I'm more familiar with LND, and they provide all of the APIs that you would expect on a modern, you know, application stack. Mm-hmm. So there's a RESTful API, and they're even using gRPCs, which essentially allows you to. Uh, connect to any sort of you know lang- language, if you will. Um, so it, it, they already abstracted a lot for us, and so as you know, any application developer, uh, modern application developer, you know, writing any sort of React or or Node or whatever can 
easily integrate with a Lightning node because they're using the the you know de facto standards for for modern applications. Um, whereas Bitcoin is a little bit more lower level and requires you to connect to other you know nodes and so forth. Um, so it was a little harder to get into Bitcoin. It's much much easier for an application developer to get into Lightning and and therefore into Bitcoin. Yeah. Have you noticed uh, any conversions recently? So I don't know about conversions, but you know, my friends definitely know I'm into Bitcoin and I'm into Lightning, and uh, I have a large network of of you know developers that I know, regardless of of where they are in the world. And um, I've definitely seen an increase in. Hey, Andre, how's it going? Um, can we chat a little bit about this Lightning thing or or this Bitcoin thing? It seems interesting. I just read about uh, this API and it just works. It's great. So there's definitely a little bit of a wave uh, that people are definitely seeing some 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 change there, uh, and and I hope you know. I, I think it's what we were saying earlier, you need to be good citizens to, to the platform. Um, and so one of my goals is to, every time I talk to someone about it, is uh, try and find out how to make that person turn. How to make them say, oh, it clicked, I get it. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and just do your best to educate, right? Because it's still really new, it's still really early days, and so if you educate the next person, they will educate the next one and the next one and so forth. What's your, uh, what's your favorite pitch? Do you have multiple? Uh, it, it depends on the person. Mm -hmm. I think if it's a really, uh, I actually have a, a funny one where he's a, he's a protocol dev and, uh, not in Bitcoin or, or, or lightning, but, uh, really low level, you know, rust and C plus plus. And I tried explaining to him the benefits and, and, uh, you know, the pros and cons and, and of lightning and all of the questions that he asked were really deep protocol questions and I didn't have <laughs> answers for. And I was like, oh, you know, let me get you in touch with someone else. I don't I really know. Uh, but the usual pitch is, is really the, um, you know, omnipresence of it. I think it's... Omnipresence. Omnipresence, big words today. Um, it's, it's really the... But how is it omnipresent? That's what I'm curious about. Technically speaking, uh, we've done Bitcoin transactions over radio, right? Yeah, today, ham radio. wrote about it in the back, yeah. dude. So Novak sent ham radio to Adam Carey. Shout out oh. to the pod, uh, the Godfather podcast, Adam Carey from MTV News oh. back in the day. And he's, um, oh gosh, this is embarrassing. What is his podcast name? Oh, give me one second. <laughs> I'm going to think of it. I'm going to think of it. Five. Come on, Marty. Four. Three. No Agenda podcast. There we go. Um but he apparently he's been getting into Bitcoin, so he's like a podcasting OG. Like he's literally known for starting the first ever podcast and really sort of blowing up this space. And more recently, the last six months in particular, he's like been growing a liking to Bitcoin. Awesome. And uh, he's also just so happens to be a ham radio enthusiast, apparently. <laughs> so Novak, uh, CEO, founder of Open Dime and the Cold Card Wallet, up in Canada. Shout out Novak, huge fan of what you're doing. Uh, basically tested a ham radio wave transaction yesterday with Sam Patterson, I believe. I'm, I'm not sure where Sam yeah, is. Yeah, I don't remember the names. Um, but somebody tagged Adam Carey, and I was like, hey, look at this. And then Adam Carey was like, I want to get a transaction. And fucking Boom. Godfather Podcasting received a Bitcoin transaction via ham radio wave. Which is, it's fascinating. It's 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 really what I was saying. It's, it's just everywhere. It's so omnipresent. Like radio waves are omnipresent. Radio waves, you know, technically speaking, you can get any uh, device and connect it to the internet, right? You, you, you don't see the internet. You don't think about it. It's just there. Mm -hmm. um, that's really one of the pitches is 
first of all, you need to explain to them the hardness of Bitcoin, the, the sound money ideal, ideology behind it, the uh, monetary policy. I know exactly how many Bitcoins are mined every day and, and when the next happening is coming. But um, the fact that it's extremely secure, you know, backed by all this hash rate, backed by the microtransactions of Lightning Network, you know, put two and two together, it seems to click to most people, most smart folks. Um, and, and so it's, it's, it's just everywhere and, and it'll be more uh, reliable and better and more secure and more present day after day. And so it's, there's really no future um, where I, I see uh, Bitcoin uh, having hard time in terms of adoption uh, if we continue on this trend of you know, more development, more abstractions, more user-friendly interfaces. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just how the internet worked and, and it's how Bitcoin's going to work. All right. I'm two beers in. I'm a two. <laughs> I'm a, I, need, I need to catch up. I'm a uh, two beer lightweight. Let's get cosmic with it. Like, so beyond gaming, like, how do you think Bitcoin, if it's omnipresent like that, how does it change the world? Are you an optimist or a pessimist? Uh, I tend like, to be too optimistic sometimes. Why is that? Uh, you know, ever since I was 10, I think I was, you know, computers, computers, computers. And when I think back to it, it's, it was a very different, you know, time of computers and internet. Uh, we had dial ups and, and so forth. And that was, you know, 15 years ago to 20 years ago. So, uh, you know, 20 years ago, we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have, we barely had Google, I think. And, uh, you know, the, technology advancements, uh, the speed of, of technology advancements is just so large and so fast that it's what I was saying. I don't really see a scenario where the many people working on Bitcoin around the world don't make it work around whatever limitations, regulations, whatever it is that come that try and stop it. Right. Yeah. And then to me, it's like it just makes sense. Right. Like, it just makes sense, man. Like, right. It's just like it, if we're going to transition into the information age and age built on the internet like the internet should have a native currency absolutely and it's the oh we we don't know how much money the fed prints but it's okay we'll continue living our lives and accept that people just print money and make you know and it's yeah it's the first time that i think it it clicks and i gave the the, the bitcoin standard to my my parents boss um and, and I also gave them uh, uh, an open dime. Boss. Yeah, it, it was great. And they loved listening to me blabber about Bitcoin and, and Lightning for two, two, like two full hours, I think. And, and then at the end, they said, okay, we get it. How do we buy Satoshis? And I was like, check mark. How do we buy Satoshis? Satoshis. They're already nominating them in Satoshis. Satoshis. Let's go. Um, same thing. Parents. When, we, when we launched Koala Studio, uh, my, my mom was, I need to get more Satoshis. You know, it, 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 it's coming. They're getting it. They're getting it. You're teaching your parents to use it. Are they using it? Have they played? Uh, uh, they've played. I don't know that they've used it to the extent of, of using it. They definitely played lightning chess, right? But uh, it's 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 you know it still needs a little bit of an education onboarding. Um, I think I did that part. You know, my my dad has a treasure and and Boss. he knows how to use it. Boss. Um, but apart from that, it's 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 still early, and we need to continue on the educational side of it. I feel like a bad son. Mom and dad, I'm going to get you an open dime soon. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's about time. Yeah, the more... I, I was speaking to... Uh, my dad... Shout out... Actually, sorry. I'm going to shout out my dad. He said he downloaded the Cash App. has been buying Bitcoin every day, a little bit. Hey, shout out Cash App. They're great. Shout out Cash um, App. Jack, coming for that ass in a couple of weeks. Hope you're ready. Oh, yeah. Congrats on that, by the way. Thanks, dude. Yeah. Should be a fun one. Yeah, I hope I don't puke on myself. <laughs> 
No, it'll be fine. Yeah. You've done bigger interviews. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I interviewed Lightning Qual a couple months, a few months ago. Yeah, who is that? I don't know who that is. Is Dude. he a big deal? He's a big deal. Pretty big deal. Yeah. He made that Satoshi's Place thing? I don't know. Yeah. PBD. Satoshi's Place. My favorite uh, internet graffiti site in the world. Yeah. That, a couple of weeks ago, someone did the whole painting of it again. Like, they, you know, you know how you can actually get the whole board? No. Well, he gave, I, I don't know how to use the, like, super user, oh. interact with the command line. Right. I'm too dumb. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was right away. They launched, and I think one week later, someone reverse engineered the API and created a tool that would just you know instantly put a bunch of satoshis together. And um, I know the chain code people were the first one to put the FBI notice on it. Plus, uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome. Um, and at the time, I think it was it cost like seventy bucks to do it because of the price of Bitcoin. It's actually the cheapest advertisement for Tales from the Crypt. I, like I really? haven't done it in the last couple of weeks, but. For like a month there, I was going on Satoshi Place every day and like cleaning up a Tales from the Crypt billboard. <laughs> it's very great. cheap. It was like 50 cents for a billboard. And you're getting the right audience. Right? Exactly. Yeah, it's perfect. Hey, you Satoshi's Place freaks. I love you. <laughs> Shout out to all of you. Ah, oh, man. Let's get heady here. We were talking earlier. You lived all around the world, man. Let's I have. Uh well, I've I've been to a lot of a lot more countries than I've lived. But so, yeah. So you don't mind me doxing you. We can cut this out if you're not fine with it. But your dad was an oil industry guy. Uh, he was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we moved early on from from Brazil, where I'm from, to um, to the UAE. Uh, so I lived in in Abu Dhabi for a while. Uh, it was an interesting experience. Um, what was it like being a Brazilian in Abu Dhabi? It was great. People yeah. people definitely loved that you come from the land down under. Uh, they're like, hey, where are you from? South America. Oh, Brazil? Because I don't know why. There's this, you know, there's this notion of, of Brazil being the, the... Fun. Yes. What is it? America's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and Brazil's the pursuit of happiness, <laughs> liberty, and life. Right. I mean, maybe not now with the new president, but uh, we can talk about that later. And, um, so it's, it's hey, we will, I want to talk about what the hell's going on there. We'll figure it out. Later. Okay. Yeah. Let me, let me go to, into the, the UAE side. So it was, it was great living there. I think it was one of the best, uh, decisions I didn't make in my life. Uh, I didn't, I wasn't at a position to say no, uh, my whole family moved and, uh, you know, I didn't speak any English till then. And, and it definitely changed my life. Uh, I ended up moving to New York after that, where had I been in Brazil, moving to New York would not have been an option. Right. And so a little, a little surreal, a little bit of, of too good and too big and, and they need the biggest mall. They have the biggest, you know, building, they have the biggest. Yeah. What's life there? It feels like they like to flex a lot. Um, it's they, a very, excuse me, excuse me, like, sure. Abu Dhabi likes to flex a lot. It's a very, uh, Western, Westernized uh, society as much as it's still, you know, Muslim and, and Arabic, but uh, they're very open uh, to foreigners. At, while we were there, I don't know if the stats are the same, but while we were there, uh, for for the for that period of time, eighty, I believe, eighty three percent of the people in the country were expats. And really, only, yeah, it was eighty three. It was an absurd number. Um, Interesting. Really, the the what we we call them locals, right? The the local Emiratis uh, were few, very very few. I have, I actually have only three friends who are you know from there everyone else was 
uh, either you know they're 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 Lebanese or, or they're Syrian or they're you know Moroccan they're nearby and then everyone else was you know Hong Kong or, or China or, or American and European and um, but really the the ones you know Emirati f friends are you know three maybe maybe three damn so they're not interesting in building walls there in Saudi Arabia so it's like <laughs> <laughs> I mean it it's it's really uh, they, I think they did something really right where uh, it's a geographically speaking it's in a very favorable location right it's right next it's in it's essentially the singapore of the middle east right singapore is that little asian i hub. need to travel more man i'm fucking <laughs> yeah singapore is a little asian hub that everyone connects to and and it's super safe uh really secure everything works well it's super efficient um, and I think Abu Dhabi and Dubai, essentially the UAE, were trying to be that face. You can go there. It's extremely safe. Um, you know, you're not going to face any issues. Uh, they're very f friendly to the outside world, mm -hmm. uh, whereas, you know, Saudi Arabia might be more closed off. Um, and so I think they're trying to, to be that, that player in, in the Middle Eastern space. And it was, uh, you know, living there definitely gave me the ability, and my family in general gave me the ability to travel around there. So I've been to to lots and lots of countries and definitely opened my eyes to how the world works. I'm jealous. Yeah, I would be too. What uh <laughs> thanks for thanks for flexing. <laughs> Strong flex. Um No, what 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 was the most eye-opening experience of traveling that much for you? So, we did a um have you heard of Habitat for Humanity? Yeah, I actually in high school, we had to do a lot of community. We were forced to do, not forced. I mean, yes, we were forced to do community service, but I liked it. A lot of my community service hours were Habitat. Nice. Yeah, we we got the opportunity to through our school to go to you know specific places to essentially help. So um, I actually went to the southern parts of India, where I you know you see the level of poverty and and access to basic needs is absurd right we were staying in a rather fancy hotel and if you walk half a block you would see someone you know essentially shitting on the floor mm -hmm. um and it definitely opens your eyes where you're talking about in here san francisco <laughs> <laughs> Th those are bird scooters man bird scooters it's it's really close to ship it's bird scooters i'm sorry that was inconsiderate of me i'm sorry it's <laughs> all my sf friends um, no, it's, it's, it definitely opens your eyes to, you know, people actually, uh, don't really have the large majority of the world don't have access to the basic aspects of life, you know, water, sanitation and so forth. And living in such a contrast, which was the UAE where they have the biggest malls and the biggest buildings and the biggest, you know, it, it, it definitely opens your eyes. And I was rather young then it was, it was high school time. So it's, um, it definitely opened my eyes to, you know, the world is not the bubble we live in. It's, yeah. it's much, much bigger. You know, it's an interesting juxtaposition coming from uh, yeah. UAE to like Southern India. And and even more, uh, sorry to cut you, but even more, it was, I was really young boy in Brazil where you go to the beach and everyone's in bikinis and I moved to the UAE where I go to the mall and everyone's wearing kanduras and burkas, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's cultural different. shock, man. Cultural shock. Yeah. yeah. I think it's important though. Um, Again, I keep harping back to last night's episode that I recorded, but that's like uh, we talked about like how I moved from Philly to South Carolina, back to Philly to Chicago, not in New York, and even in this country alone, like there's so many people in different situations with different mindsets, and it's like you need to travel to like open your mind to this stuff, and I do want to travel a lot more. 
Japan's on my list to get to next. Going to Japan um, later this year, planning it and uh, trying to do two weeks, trying to hit Tokyo, Osaka, and uh, Kyoto at least. Boss. Yeah, it's just, I'm really, really into sushi, omakases, and, and things like that. And so it. I worked at an izakaya in, uh, in oh, college. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, has have yet to go there, but it's it's it sounds pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in izakaya in Chicago, but. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah like okay. A, a, do they have one in New York? I don't know if they have. One uh, they do. There's an izakaya mu on shout out free ad uh, on 35th <laughs> between fifth and sixth Ave, I believe, or between Madison and fifth. Awesome. Very good. Um, if you're looking need, for some ramen. Yeah, I need to check it out. Yeah. Um, my brother was just in Japan, too. He went skiing out there. He, I was talking to him yesterday about it. He said it was fucking dope. Yeah, and it it's just so much bigger. We started doing research on, you know, how where to go and, and how to get around. And it's much, much, much bigger than you think it is. And, it yeah, too many islands, to be honest. Really? Well, if you look in the map, and it's it's much bigger than I personally imagined it before um i didn't get to while in the uae i didn't get to go that far east uh the farthest i went was um actually i don't know how far i went east but uh, i didn't get to go to japan um my my sister went to china and and i believe i'm not sure she went to japan but uh it's it's definitely a place that i think uh, you know i would like to see myself living there in the future possibly really yeah i don't know that the future is united states why is that I mean, it, I would like to believe the peak of the United States was after World War II. Future is female, Andre. <laughs> <laughs> you you know, think you think uh, U.S. is post-peak in the grand scheme of of history? I would I would say so. Yes, and you know the way the world is moving, I I tend to think that uh, the Eastern world has been moving at a faster pace of adoption, specifically of new technologies. You know, Seoul, you know, and Taiwan and, and, you know, Hong Kong and, you know, people use crypto, you know, and that's really, really bleeding It's legal edge. tender in Japan, right? I'm sorry? It's legal tender in Japan, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and, of course, it's really early days in crypto and, and Bitcoin specifically, but they are already at the forefront of it all, right? So what is it going to look like in 10 years where, you know, in China you have WeChat where they do everything in WeChat. You pay bills, you, you talk to people, you buy everything in WeChat. Let's, let's say the, the WeChat version of, of something in, in like the Eastern world in Japan and so forth. Uh, what does that look like if there's, you know, if they use Bitcoin? And is it going to take 10 years to get, a, to get around to being adopted by everyone? I don't think so. It's, it's much quicker than it is here. Well, China certainly won't be adopting that. I don't think. So let's get into this. Let's get into Ooh, like privacy China. and like dystopian futures and sure. the fight against the surveillance state. Like, do you think? So that's what I would say. I'm more bullish on the U.S. just because I think the United States as an idea, America as an idea, the American dream as an idea, not necessarily the uh, government that we live under and the system that we live under, but the idea of fucking go out there and make something of yourself still exists and is pretty strong today. Uh, and, and the idea of freedom and liberty, I believe it's still deep down there, even though it's slipping away. Uh, yeah, I tend to agree. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I think we have an opportunity. I think people are starting to see what's going on in China with the social credit thing in particular. Oh man. And I hope, I know people I talk to, like my parents, my wife, this is fucked. I don't want this. And I think there may be 
sort of a pivot here in America where people are like, all right, let's not have this. Disto- Actually, I can't say that for a fact. I'm probably in the bubble. A lot of people are pushing socialism right now and stuff like that. So that was just a ramble. I don't know where I went. Yeah, I, I don't know that I... I definitely don't see the United States taking the same stance as China, the extremely different, you know, societies in, in every way, shape or form. Um, you know, Xi Jinping just essentially is now ruler, right? Let, yeah. Let's call it that. And there's no terms anymore. So he, so he rules. Um, they, they can make any calls. And, uh, you know, I, I agree. I tend to agree that the freedom, you know, the, the ideologies of freedom and American dream are still rooted in, in the United States and in America and, and specifically. But um, with the way the world is going, I tend to think there's more opportunities um, out, you know, out east. And, you know, the, the, I think the, the Brexit issues on, on Europe, I think the populist movements that have been happening all over the world, I think these are all factors that have been, you know, slowly tinkering and, and, and you know, there will be a breaking point. Um, will, will it be another economic crash? Will it be another, I don't know, whatever. Uh, there's too many disasters that can happen. And I don't know that the United States in 10, 15, 20 years will be the same United States that it is that it was 20 years ago, that it is today. And, and maybe it's a more opportune time to be elsewhere for whether it's personal growth, whether it's, you know, if we want to go into the Bitcoin development side, whether it's just, you know, better lifestyles, I think there's definitely some, you know, having lived outside, it's definitely something that I would like to do again. Yeah. And as somebody who hasn't traveled that far outside, I w- I'm going to take your advice <laughs> uh, to heart. Um, before we get forward, I got to pause and check the sound because I just noticed my mic was unplugged. I hope it was oh. only for like 10 seconds. I'm hoping it was. We'll see though. We'll be right back, freaks. All right, we're back, freaks. Luckily, I do not fuck up. The sounds good. Safe and sound. Andre, we're back. Beautiful. A little detour there. Sorry about that. It's poor form. That's what you get here at Tales from the Crypt, though. It's Tales from the Crypt difference. It's all the beers. I blame the beers. Yeah. You need another one, by the way. I do need another one. Uh, while I open you another one, we were just chit-chatting about what we're going to jump into next. I think let's stay on the like surveillance state. So we're heavily surveilled right now, even in the freest countries in the world. How do you think this change? Like, what do you think the main problem is, and how do you see it changing, or if it doesn't change, how do you see it getting worse? So, it it started. I think it started because of my interest in in Bitcoin and so forth, and and it just kind of uh, bled into that libertarian ideology, and um, you know, keeping your your data private, making sure that uh, this whole notion of you know, if you don't have anything to hide, you know, you don't have to hide anything. If you don't have anything, essentially, it's it's basically saying if you don't have anything to say, then there's no need for free speech, right? It's, it's, it's so not, bullshit. Yeah, it's not how that works, right? It, it the, the products should not need to use your data in order for you to use them. And I think uh, people fail to see that each and every device and product and platform created is to use people as a means to an end. It's to make money by selling to advertisements and so forth. So we got a Amazon Echo as a gift and I threw it out <clears throat> right away. Um, my girlfriend was, oh, what about this? And I was, nope, I'm not getting that in my house. I already have a Samsung TV that could easily be bugged and we'll never know. I have, you know, three computers. Um, you know, the chances that they, those can be hacked and easily, you know. So 
I'm very, very conscious. Uh, I, I don't use uh, the phone 2FA approach, the SMS approach for everything that I can. I have uh, YubiKeys for everything. Really? Uh, yeah. It, it, again, it's not as user-friendly. You need to be slightly more technical to use it, but I definitely know that if I'm logging into an account, it's 110% me. It's no one else. That piece of mind worth it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whether it's my computer, my emails, anything that I'm able to, I, I use my YubiKey for all of it. And um, so please don't steal my YubiKey. Um, that's why you have backups, right? So, you know, the surveillance state, I think it's interesting because people fail to see that it's everywhere and everything is geared towards it. So um, any new product like the Amazon Echoes of the world, it, people love it because, hey, Alexa, do this and this. But people fail to realize that if if it's able to realize that you're saying the word Alexa, then it needs to be listening to you at all, at all times. times. Yeah. Right. And, and then it's, it's your word and his word. It's, it's like, she says, he says, so Amazon can say that they don't record it. But then just a couple months ago, there was a, the court case where they had to release the recordings of With it, the murder, right. And the murder and, and right away it's, it's available. Right. So it, someone is storing those and and now let's say that amazon is let's even say that they're securely storing those and it's safe how safe is it what about hackers who can you know come in and steal that data and all of a sudden there's recordings of you saying xyz thing and you're a politician or you are a ceo of some company or you're running for some other thing and you're the, like the hottest podcast host of the bitcoin podcast exactly or something like that you know there's so much that could, that could happen <laughs> no and it's and like so, the Amazon or the Echo, yeah, the Amazon Echo or the Alexa, are they the same? Alexa's the Google's the Echo. No, no, no. Amazon Echo is is, is the little pod thing. Okay, and, and uh, Alexa. Alexa's lives the, the, Echo. the woman. <laughs> Alexa lives in the Echo. Right. Um, but beyond that, like, the, did you see the story about Nest? Like the cameras and like the fucking hacker got into some people's hack like Nest account was talking to their baby and put the heat in the baby's room up to like ninety degrees. The internet of shit is a real thing, people. Right. And there was the case where, I don't even know if it's a case yet, but essentially uh, Amazon is trying to do the Amazon lock. Have you heard of that? I es have. Essentially, they let, like, uh, there's a little camera yeah. in front and you can essentially register people based on their faces. So if, you know, Marty comes in and sees in the, my little Amazon lock sees you, it'll unlock automatically. Um, sure, maybe the facial recognition is up to par. Let's assume that. But it's also used for FBI because they can essentially get that data and say, if the camera has seen such person and it matches the facial recognition, I can place that person at the time of the day. And so imagine a suburban neighborhood where all of the locks are Amazon locks. All of a sudden, every street front is being recorded at all times. And people fail to really recognize that, you know, right now, right here, where we're standing, there could be recordings. And we have no idea. Oh, there's a camera right here. There's a camera looking at us. Hello. What's up? Uh, you know, it, it, wh where's that going? Sure, that's a CCTV and maybe no one's looking at it. But, you know, we said a couple of things here that I don't know that it couldn't be used against you in the future. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, you, you never know what's going to happen. You claimed you were the hottest podcast host in the Bitcoin space this <laughs> episode. We found that not to be true. No, yeah, it can be used against you. And it's like, so I, and I like, it's weird how some movies like perfectly describe this. Like Minority Report, like we're getting close to a Minority Report world where like people are trying to predict crime and then like Black Mirror perfectly predicting China's social credit thing. Right. Like, these dystopian futures have been played out in like 
novella and movies throughout time like we just like seem to be barreling towards it like are, are you hopeful that we'll avoid it or do you think i'm i'm hopeful that there will be um you know big players in the space that will help turn the wheel around or slow it down uh but it doesn't seem to be happening as fast as yeah. i would expect and it's what i was saying earlier about bitcoin too is you need to teach people you need to teach so my family we've moved to signal Right? We don't use WhatsApp anymore. And then especially people can say that WhatsApp is end-to-end -end encrypted. I, I need proofs. I don't, I don't see them. Right? I don't trust Zuck. Yeah, I definitely don't trust Zuck and his you know, chairman power of all over Facebook, Instagram, and, and WhatsApp. And now they want to merge all the infrastructure. But hey, no, we're not going to gather all the data involved and, and sell you things. So you know, the more you can do to, to be private, um, you know, I, I, I don't use Gmail anymore only only for work right so i'm still stuck in my gmail ways user experience right i will say that i will say moving away from gmail my email experience is not as nice i don't have a great calendar right away i don't have all of these integrations right away as an engineer and as a developer it's perfectly fine my you know cousins who are not probably would you know people say oh do you have a gmail as if gmail is email and then right. when i say i don't have a gmail it's like who Can are, I even talk to you? Yeah. How, how, do, how do you receive emails? And I say, well, email is a, it's a protocol almost. It's, it's not Gmail. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's definitely something I keep in mind and I try my best to uh, teach people without annoying them because it's also a topic that a lot of people just don't care and don't want to listen to. Yeah, being that Bitcoin friend's a burden. <laughs> it's, it's, I want to recommend it to you, freaks. It's been a long, long six years, seven years almost. You've been that early? I mean, I've been, I don't, I forget when I first bought exactly. It wasn't when I first found it, but like I found right. it and started shilling it right away. I was like, yeah, this stuff's dope. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I used to think my friend was, was an odd one out when he started talking about it and mm -hmm. now look at me, you know? So yeah. Um, no, but going back to like people getting stuck on Gmail, like I think for me personally, the reason why I'm still on Gmail fucking doxing myself always uh is just mental switching costs like so maybe that's something we talk about i mean this is applicable to both like securing your email and then fucking switching your email providers and then switching your currencies so, like the mental switching cost of of doing something like changing your email and then the i would argue increased mental cost of switching your fucking money like how do we overcome that so I think email is really interesting because it's almost like your identity online nowadays. Mm -hmm. So switching your email is not something that you do one day to the next. It's you need to forward all the emails. You need to let your friends and family know that this new email that they might be receiving from this new address is really you. Um, you know, there's all the reputations because it's a rant, brand new email. So it might go to spam. There's all of these things. And so I don't it's it's really mental and it's also it, it ties in it's user experience it's really mental burden because you now have to it you don't have an app you need to go into a website and it might not be as friendly it's not as pretty and it's not as useful and um you know i i i have a hard time with lazy people who see the problem and don't want to act on to, on it you call me lazy andre a little bit but it's okay but most <laughs> most people are lazy right uh, my thing is I'm, I'm really big on efficiency. Mm -hmm. um, I think most, most of my close peers will tell, tell you that. Um, 
And so if, if I can achieve the same level of efficiency in terms of getting, in terms of email, getting communication across from, you know, two people, uh, it doesn't matter to me if it's Gmail or something extremely more secure and, and something that won't sell my data to some other providers. Um, so, it, you know, it, it just makes sense to me. And I think if, if you see the issue and you, you don't do anything about it, how are you a good you know, citizen, how, how can you justify it? Yeah. It's like be the change you want to see in the world. Right. And, and don't get me wrong. You don't need to go above and beyond. You don't need to be the guy or to go Jameson lop on everybody. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You you don't need to, you don't need to be the, you know, liberator, but uh, do a little bit, you know, teach someone, talk to someone, learn some more and, and then step by step. It's not, it's a, there's eight, seven, eight billion people in the world and there will be in the next couple of years. And so it's, it's, one by one, you know, we need to, it's like the marginal cost of onboarding someone else. Like how do we decrease that marginal cost so that it's easy for people who just got onboarded to onboard others? Right. Right. No, I think this bear market's actually producing like a lot of quality information and quality evangelist, if you will. I don't want to get too like religious, it's not even a religious term per se, but like there's a lot of people shilling right now. There's a lot of Bitcoin podcasts. There's a lot of, newsletters there's a lot of developers sharing what they're building and again going back to like tipping points like where's the mind share tipping point where it sort of hits a contagion and and that's another part about this bear market too is a lot of people have been working on refining the narrative and trying not to feed people false hope like we probably fucked it up the first half of the first decade of bitcoin pitching <laughs> bitcoin at the protocol level is fast easy and cheap right so it's trying to recalibrate and reset the message. And it's like you're trying to reset the message as a amoebus fucking decentralized quote-unquote community or Bitcoin users. Yeah, I think I don't personally love the idea that just because we're in a bear market, we build more. Uh, I think it's just there's less noise, mm-hmm. right? It's It's... The reason why we say bear market or bull market is based on the price. I'm not really interested in. Sure, it, of course, the price will drive adoption and it will drive all the other things. But it, it's the the monetary policy, the technological advancements, all of the things put together that drive me and and my you know my interest to it. It's not really whether it's five, ten, or twenty k. It's can we provide better solutions and and build better products and build better you know user experiences that take society to the next level where wealth is shared yeah but you have to admit during some of these face ripping bull runs it's hard to concentrate on work absolutely (laughs) it's like what the fuck is going on it's all time like oh (laughs) refresh 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 you know 50 percent up in one day how is that possible yeah i feel like these days i uh, swear to god scout center and my scout center pose up right now like i only check the price when we do rabbit hole recap like i haven't even been like once a week like i that's very healthy. Yeah. Uh, there was, you know, during the last peak, there was, uh, I checked a lot. Oh, yeah. So did I. It was impossible not to. You had like $1,000 daily candles. Like, how yes. did you not, like, hawk it? And it wasn't just Bitcoin. I think if it was just Bitcoin, I think we would check less. But there were thousands. Everything was going up vertically, parabolically. So, it, and every day I would hear someone tell me something new about some other thing that would, and then exploded the next Yo, week. Yo, chain, bro. Wan oh Chain's taken over, man. Oh my God! It's not IOTA anymore. It's Wan Chain. 
What's the what, iota is the one that rolled their own crypto, right? They rolled their own crypto. Yeah, it's, what's the first rule of crypto? Don't roll your own crypto. They had the douchiest like head dev team in the world. Like, yeah, it's just like a huge douche. And then I remember people people gave feedback on it and found the bugs, and they said, "Fuck you, fuck you, you're yeah. wrong. We're awesome." It's not true, bro. Yo, dude, are, are they still top ten? They're top ten. Right? I don't know. I don't, I don't know, care. but I heard Nano is coming for the throne. <laughs> Wasn't that called something else before? Blocks? R R chain or something like that. R blocks. R blocks. R blocks? Maybe Ray blocks. Ray blocks. blocks. There we go. Ray blocks. That's teamwork makes the dream work. We figured that one out together. A little spitball in there. What a name. Yeah. Ray blocks. Ray blocks. I don't even know. Um Yeah, where are we going? Let's pivot back to uh lightning games. Yeah. We should wrap it up here probably in the next uh eh, we're only like an hour and fifteen minutes and so we got some time. What, uh, so I guess this is a great, like, cause you presented this on Monday at BitDevs. Like, what have you guys learned? Like, yeah, so, um, I can actually give you some numbers. I actually shared those in, in BitDevs. Um, it was, so Lightning Network now we're roughly at 6,000 nodes. I think that's a very good metric to have. Um, we, as a Lightning Chess, you know, platform, um, sorry to interject, but like 6,000 nodes, like if you're comparing all cryptocurrencies and not just like second layers, I think like that's third, right? Third, it's yeah, like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ethereum is, and then Lightning. I think Ethereum is seven or eight thousand. Yeah, um, Bitcoin has many, many, many more. There are just listening nodes, um, actual, you know, routing. Uh, sorry, not routing nodes, like full nodes that you know actually route. Um, you know, uh, messages are I think up in the ten thousands, mm-hmm. but I believe there's you know fifty, sixty thousand nodes. You know, not listening. Nodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so just the fact that it's two years old and there's 6,000 nodes, it's absurd. And um, it's it's a good metric to have because, uh, you know, you think that, you know, Lightning Network, that's one field, and then chess, that's a whole other field, and specifically online chess, right? It's very small niche market. And yet, uh, we were able to get upwards of 1,500 accounts in, in Qualys Studio, which, you know, if, if you use the 6,000 nodes as a base metric, it's really, really bullish, right? It's people actually took the time, created their accounts. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they seem interested, right? So whether it's the convergence of the two industries and, you know, chess, online gaming and, and lightning, or if it's just all the lightning people who are really enthusiastic about it. Um, we had upwards of uh, close to 500 uh, accounts funded. So people are actually using the funding mechanism. We had someone play, um, uh, lightning chess for, uh, shirt bits, Chris, uh, Chris at, at shirt Stewart? bits. Yeah, Chris Stewart. Yeah, uh, he played. He was at the residency as well. He played uh, Lightning Chess for their uh, for sure bits um, happy hour, which is awesome. I saw Justin Moon was playing with it too. Yeah, Justin Moon and, and Koala were in London and advancing Bitcoin, where we had like ten people playing against each other. Um, so in terms of numbers, it's actually quite, you know, it was actually a, a really good launch. And it's funny seeing your telegram group. People are just like randomly throughout the day. Like, here's a link. And what's the play? Me? Yeah. I, I had to mute it, you <laughs> know, because it's really, it's really distracting to see, uh, you know, hundreds of messages like, Hey, who wants to play? Hey, uh, I'm in, let's play good game. Good GG, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's really awesome to see people excited about it. Uh, but one thing people ask a lot is, is what's next, right? Chess is great, but w- w- what's coming next? Um, so, so far, the feedback has been really positive. Uh, a couple of things that we need to change in the UI and the process of, of how betting works and be you know, clearer uh, for the user. But um, I think so far, it's been a very successful launch. And, uh, you know, people throwing, people were putting, you know, someone deposited $100 uh, in, in, in sats. And I said... You know, why, 
why, first of all, and, and who are you going to bet $100 with? But hey, be my guest. You know, the Lightning Network supports it. You may do whatever you want. Reckless. That sounds reckless. Yes. You, you want to hear a reckless? Yeah. I put I put point two in my Casa node, and then it broke. Because it was over the limit? No. It, it, the, the node so just, it just died? Just died. But you have a backup, right? Yes, but, you know, channels. And so the way LN works is, technically speaking, um, the my peers on these channels could technically, after a given amount of time, force close on, the, on me because my node's offline. And we don't have watchtowers yet which essentially would you know, forbid that from happening. And so it's... Essentially it, burned or did not yet. the channel get it? No, yeah, I'm, I'm reaching out to the Casa people. They're, they're helping me out next week, but you know, it's, it's been a little while. I, I'm not very, very hopeful for it. And I think it's a learning. It's like, hey, don't do that yet. Well, thank you for your contribution to making Bitcoin a little bit more deflationary. I know. And uh, you know, every, every Bitcoin helps. And so now we have what... It's, people talk about 17 million these days. So it's, what is it, 16 now? I feel like... With the with the quadriga, um, quadriga, know, yeah, it's one hundred ninety million dollars worth of quote unquote crypto. I'm not sure exactly how much Bitcoin they had. I heard it was hundreds of of actual Bitcoins. So, yeah. you know, two hundred of them, six hundred k, and now it's it's sixteen million and some change. You know, it's, it's it's more scarce than people realize. Rest of beast to the quadriga CX uh, founder. If he's actually dead, actually, I'm not going to speculate <laughs> on that, but. Um, what was I going to get back to? Um, yeah. Uh, this is what I wanted to get to. The features of Lightning Chess. Let's talk about yeah. that in particular. We have not oh, talked wow. about them like the... Yeah, we talked about hypothetical things in the future, but let's talk about exactly what you can do on Lightning Chess. Sure. So... Uh, many variables to take into consideration. Yeah. So what we wanted to do was create incentive structures so that the game was uh, an experience for everyone involved so for us as game developers you know we take a little percentage of of the monitor of the premium features that's the revenue model um, the players themselves there's two ways of, of, of using it so one is uh, when you're playing a game you can actually wage money and so you can wage bets and uh, at the end of it uh, you know the, the the pot goes to the winner so that's one flow the other flow is we created the ability for users to extend timers and um, undo moves and these are essentially proposals that a user would, would do to the other user, would propose to the other user. It's like, hey, um, here's 100 Satoshis. I need 100 seconds more. Uh, and then it creates this, this you know, cool theory, this gaming theory where um, you can essentially refuse to accept it and in the chat say, hey, I need you know, one Bitcoin. And, and then you can say, oh, I don't have one. And then they say, well, then you're going to lose the pot. Um, so it, it's actually interesting in the Telegram group, people talk about it. It's like, hey why didn't you accept my extension of time? And he said, well, I, I didn't feel like the money was enough and I didn't have, I didn't have to. Uh, so it's, it's creating this cool environment where people are incentivized to do certain plays and create certain, you know, uh, you know so I heard people using 10,000 Satoshis to extend a time for 10 seconds, which is, you know, it's crazy, but, but it's, it's where the opponent will accept it and therefore the game will continue. What if this changes the game of chess? Like, does this exist in like the norm? Like you can't bet, you can't control a chess game like this. I, I don't think so, yeah. So what if like new chess strategies come out of this? Like, I think this coupled with spectating would be massive. I think if we can see Marty playing against 
I'm going to kick Jack Mahler's ass again. Yeah, and and we can bet on the outcome. We can bet on the moves. The same way nowadays in, in the UK, you can bet on who's going to score the next goal in the football match. That's super, super specific, but your odds are insane, right? It, you know, I definitely believe there's a scenario where we will create that. And spectating on, on Lightning Chess wouldn't be too hard to implement. So we're, we're actually, you know, trying to, to fit that in. Okay, that's a good segue into the next point. Like, so what is on the roadmap here? Like, you're obviously taking feedback and recalibrating from there. Like, are you going to add more games, refine Lightning Chess in particular, um, go out into the world and try to have them implement what you guys have built at an infrastructure level? I don't know. Right. So there was a lot of interest in the SDK aspect of it. I think that's really the the business model driver there is, is to, you know, create um, – infrastructure for game developers to onboard into lightning and we've been talking about this the whole the whole talk is abstractions can we abstract the lightning network to make it super easy for someone to create revenue stream from it uh, i think that's the big the big pillar we're trying to we're trying to tackle next we definitely uh have received a lot of feedback on lightning chess specifically and we want to introduce you know uh, the ability to spectate on games we want to flesh out a little bit more of the mobile uh, interface um, there's a couple bugs here and there. Uh, one one piece that is interesting that people asked a lot is in terms of identity. Um, because the onboarding flow is so seamless, uh, technically speaking, you're just another user. There's nothing identifying you. Have no you. idea who you're playing. Like, it, yeah. When I say I beat Jack Mahler's ass, like I, I just assume I was playing him. I have no idea. Right. And, and I and actually won on a technicality because he ran out of time. So you probably <laughs> would have beat me if it was uh, based on checkmate. Right, and so that's that's something that we're trying to do. I, we have an implementation where Lightning Jewel, um, it's able to sign a message. So you can sign the message that essentially signs you in With to Qualys Studio. With alias. Right, and so uh, we want to add aliases. We want to add you know optional recovery processes through email and passwords if people want to do that. But one that's really interesting is can we use your node as your identity? Yeah. Side note, uh, Bitcoin will have made it when Lightning Jewel uh, is the first jewel that comes to mind in people's uh, in people's minds. Yeah, yeah not that is. not that uh, t- nicotine stick that the, that the kids are smoking these days. Once uh, once it's the the Lightning Jewel extension, we'll know Bitcoin's made it. Yeah, and and there's quite a few more coming out, right? Um, Casa Node came Casa out with has one. one. I know there's a couple others in the works. Um, I just want to give a shout out to my fellow beefy Bitcoin boy Willow Burn. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna shout out him as well. Yeah, love the uh, love the jewel extension and everything you're building. Keep it up, bro. Yeah, I think I think Casa actually reached out to him to try and and come up with a unified way because he created the standard for WebLN, and I, it doesn't seem like it works with their APIs, and so they went a different route. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, I've done this on another podcast. I'm gonna pat myself on the back. I introduced Jeremy and Will the night after you were there. The night after he uh, presented demo Lightning Jewel at BitDevs like three months ago. Nice. I had a Casa node, and I couldn't use a Lightning Jewel because. I wasn't able to like uh, expose my macaroons to it with the Casa setup, so I was like, "Jeremy, help me, Will, please talk about this. I want to use it." Yeah, he's an he's an awesome dev. Yeah, shipping so shipping a lot, shipping a lot. I talk about it. somebody else who started Ethereum and transitioned into Lightning. Um, yeah, I forget that he started in Ethereum. Yeah, Will, Will, and James, the brothers of Burn. Fellow beefy Bitcoin boys, uh, this is just a reminder. Putting this on the record right now, we need to meet up and like do another episode. Sorry for interrupting our episode, <laughs> Andre, for that 
mental reminder in mid episode. No, that's fair. Up. I would love to to listen to that episode for sure. Yeah. Um. So you were you had the pleasure of being at Chanco Labs with both the brothers of Baron during the residency. Yeah. And uh, basically after your week, you came out with a sick guide on how to basically get set up and start developing on lightning. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. Like, what is the best? flow for a developer to go from zero to starting to write code for the shit. Sure. So my, my advice, uh, to incoming devs into lightning is to, you know, try and learn the basics first before jumping into an abstraction. So you can, you can definitely run your BTC pay server that connects to your lightning node. And all of a sudden you have a lightning wallet and it's fine. Um, but you kind of missed on a lot because it's completely abstracted. And I think it's really valuable to understand a little bit more of the nuances. So uh, one of the things that we did there was uh, during the Lightning residencies, we needed to run um, you know, essentially two Lightning nodes to talk to each other because we needed to test micropayments and microtransactions. So how did you go about doing that? And uh, I remember the only person, well, I'm sure the mentors knew how to do it, but the only person that really was giving me some, some notes was, was Alex. Bosworth and he said, well, you can actually just do X, Y, and Z. Um, and while a couple of people were having a lot of trouble doing that, including myself, I, I said, look, I'm going to solve this eventually. And it's, it's quite hard. So I'm just going to write about it. Um, and so after the residency, I put out this, this really extensive guide on how to create, uh, run a reg test Bitcoin network. So reg test is essentially a blank slate blockchain mm -hmm. that's super lightweight that you essentially mine fake blocks. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's better than testnet because you don't need to sync your testnet. Um, and then LND allows you to run two consecutive, you know, simultaneous um, nodes. You can actually run as many as you want, as long as you give it the correct configuration. And um, that took me, you know, an hour and a half to figure out, um, yeah, it's a good point because a lot of the uh, lightning demonstrations is somebody on one computer screen running two nodes, just right. like setting it between each other. And, and never thought about that. And it's really, it's weird to develop, so I guess the web development and application development is something that you do. There's usually like a development environment, ID. which is local. Yeah. yeah, there's a development environment local, and then you have a staging environment somewhere in the cloud, and you have your production environment. Uh, it's it's quite uh cumbersome to run a local development environment for Bitcoin. Like you need your Bitcoin node running on reg test uh, or, or testnet, and then you need your lightning node, but then you want to test against that lightning node. So you need a counterparty lightning node. So you need to run two nodes and so forth. Uh, it was definitely a big barrier to entry. And I said, I'm just going to make notes as I do it and as I solve it. And I'm just going to write, you know, an extensive guide on it. Uh, I think it was actually really helpful for me. I, I tend to believe that if you're able to teach someone something, you definitely have a really good grasp on it. Mm -hmm. And I was able to turn it into words and, and, and screenshots um, into, into this medium guide. So I thought it was a, a really good, you know, useful, uh, you know, it, it's definitely something that people have given me feedback on. It's like, hey, really great, um, you, know, you know, tutorial. It definitely helped me get started. Um, and, and that's the goal. It's you get started and right away you see, oh, this tutorial only goes so far. It only gets me started. So where do I go next? Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so uh, right after that, I think two weeks after uh, I was doing decoding of lightning invoices. So lightning invoices have uh, the Bolt 11 um, spec. Mm -hmm. And it's, a, it's a, essentially a way to, to do those lightning, uh, you know, LN, BC, and then it's the, the string of characters. Uh, that actually means something. And so you can take that string and go to lightningdecoder.com, which is a tool that I built for myself internally to, to say, 
let me learn about these invoices. Um, and then I realized, hey, this might be useful. Uh, let me put it out there. So I actually launched it. Um, and it, it, you know, Google Analytics says that people use it. So that's, that's really exciting too. Um, my goal after the Lightning Residency was, can I provide some of the teachings that I learned to others in, in a written format or in, a, in an application format? And, you know, so far, so good. I think so, yeah. Thanks for doing your part, man. Yeah, man. I, good citizen of the network, I well, guess. It's, uh, it's, you got to have that if not me, then who mentality. It's sort of what the bent came out of in this podcast as well. But uh, going back to like your guide on how to get started development, does something like Pierre's Node Launcher help make this easier or more yes. understandable out of the box? Absolutely. Um, Pierre's Node Launcher is great. It abstracts, uh, you know. So I, I'm not even sure if it allows you to run reg test um, or whether it allows you to run two, no two lightning nodes. Um, I, I don't want to you know, wrongly say it one way or another. Um, I think if you needed to, it, it would be able to. Um, in terms of the capabilities, but uh, you know, it's if you're trying to get started with Bitcoin and Lightning, and you're not a very you know tax savvy person, um, definitely the Node Launcher is great. If you're a developer trying to get involved in actually building applications using whether it's low level Bitcoin protocol or higher level layer two Lightning network, um, my guide tends to actually explain a couple things. You know, why do you need X, Y, and Z before doing this configuration flow? Mm -hmm. um, and so I, that's really the audience I was trying to get. It's the development audience, not really the mom and pop who are trying to get into the network. Yeah. No, but it's, I mean, staying on the topic of like teaching others, that's like the beauty of fucking Bitcoin is, so that's yes. one thing Pierre has been doing with his node launchers. If people make a pull request and it gets merged or they hit a problem uh, with the node launcher, launcher in particular, and then they solve it. He's like, <laughs> not forcing people, but encouraging people to write blog posts similar to the one that you wrote, like explaining the problem they hit and how they fixed it. Didn't uh, Bitstein? Yeah, yeah, Michael yeah, Bitstein. And, uh, so. I love that uh, one of the tutorials... Michael uh, Goldstein. I always call him Michael Bitstein. Right. One of the tutorials, I laughed, and I even, I even tweeted at him, and I said, you do know that people are actually going to use it. So he aliased his... Um, Bitcoin D command as Bitstein D or mm -hmm. something of that nature. And I said, look, I get it. It's great and it's really funny. But a new dev is going to use Bitstein. And it, from now on, there will just be a handful of people out in the world who will be using, you know, how do you start your node? Oh, it's Bitstein D. And that's how you can start <laughs> it. <laughs> and that's just, it's too good. It's too good. He but. might be, Michael, if you're listening, I'm not sure if you are. You are uh, the snark, like yeah, the best snark in the industry. It's incredible. That's great. Uh, your your learn to code tweet at the the developer, the journalist who was looking to block people, and he said if you if you could learn to code, you could you could use Twitter's API to auto block. <laughs> poetic, poetic. Yeah, what what is with that? People are getting blocked with the learn to code thing. It's oh. <sighs> man, these these Twitter Jack Jack, listen, man, Jack, I'll come out. <laughs> That's what I have to figure out how to broach that subject lately. Yeah. Yeah. You need to pick those questions well. Yeah. I only got 30 minutes, so I got to get in and out. Nice. Um, yeah. You know, it's, uh, I know. I've been asked about it a bunch of times since I told people I'm going to do it. And people are like, you got you to gotta ask good questions. Good questions, not tough questions. It's, right. Uh, yeah. I'm sure you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. And that was talking a uh, future Jack podcast on uh, this episode of Tales from the Crypt. But. <clears throat> I'm trying to think of what we can end it on here. Um, We're about an hour and 45 minutes in. Yeah, I, 
I guess I can do a little closing remarks on the network and kind of like the things I'm excited about. Uh, yeah, you want to talk about uh, Lightning 1-1, right? Yeah. So um, earlier this year, a uh, bunch of the protocol devs went to Adelaide. Adelaide? Adelaide? Adelaide. Australia? Australia, yeah. And um, essentially working through a bunch of the kinks of the network and coming up with what the 1.1 spec is. And I think ever since then, there's been, you know, the, if you follow the Lightning um, mailing list, tons of back and forth of, of how to approach it. You know, all of the different clients use different languages and therefore it's different implementations. Um, but there's a couple of things that I think are really, really, you know, key for the adoption space. So uh, number one that I think is really awesome is the idea of splicing. Um, this notion that you have to create new channels or close channels and then create recreate channels with larger capacity, I think that will cease to exist once you can splice in and out. So splicing in will essentially say, hey, I'm creating a new on-chain transaction and I'm you know, essentially adding these funds into the same channel. Uh, or therefore, you know, re or, or similarly vice versa, you can remove uh, you know, capacity from the channel. Um, so it would mean less hops onto the, the main chain and it would be just the funds are continuously usable in the network um, even though you're waiting for confirmation from the chain. Uh, so that's something I'm excited about. Um, I think if we're able to move, um, well, sorry, before that, dual funded channels is great. Big problem is you're into the Lightning Network, you have no incoming capacity when you open channels to people because people need to open channels to you. Mm -hmm. So if instead of me putting five Bitcoin and you putting zero, we can both put five, then we have liquidity right away. So uh, dual funded channels is definitely something. Yeah, it's been a hiccup for me. Like I, when yeah. I open up a channel, I'm just assuming it'll be available. Like, again, idiot here. Like I was thinking like it would somehow divvy that up automatically. Yeah, and it's 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 pretty hard to understand why that is. And then once you get it, it's like, oh, that that seems like a problem. Not it's not a feature. It seems like a problem because as soon as I get onboarded, I need people to connect to me, not just me connecting to others. Mm -hmm. And uh, another one is AMP or or multipath, um, you know, payments. So if your channel is is a hundred thousand satoshis and you need to pay with you, for example, and then I have another channel with three hundred thousand, but I need to pay. 300,000, um, you know, five, whatever it is. So I can actually, the, the software can split it. So I can send a payment through you. I can send a payment through another channel and then they will all meet, you know, at the at end destination, yeah. which if you think about a, a mesh network that uses sort of this onion router that's similar to Tor, it just makes perfect sense, right? So, um, you know, all of that put together, I think um, the, the only other bit that I'm really excited about is uh, the possible change of the the penalty. Uh, do, you, do you understand the penalty yeah. mechanism? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you know if, if you try and and publish a a past state of your channel, you get penal penalized, and then your 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 essentially funds your funds get taken by your your, your peer. peer. Yeah. Um, and that can be a problem. That's a feature, but it can be a problem if your if your node goes offline and there's a channel update, and then once you come back online you're essentially Assuming publishing an that, old state yeah. and you get penalized. Um, so the L2 is something that was published um, by Christian Decker, Alalu from, from uh, Christian and, and Rusty from Blockstream and Alalu from Lightning uh, Labs. And uh, it's really interesting, but it does require a Bitcoin soft fork, I believe. Oh, really? Because it needs a new opcode. And mm. that's my understanding of it. I, I don't believe I'm wrong, but it, I could be wrong. And that's where the discussion happens where, you know, is, Bitcoin, it it, is lightning part of Bitcoin to the point where it will drive the soft forks? I don't know how I feel about that, Andre. I, I don't. I don't know either. <laughs> 
and and if it's a tipping point right if it starts it's a slippery slope yeah because then it'll be oh lightning needs x y and z and then we're now pressuring bitcoin developers to try and introduce it even though it's not for bitcoin and we were just talking about ossifying the protocol right yeah. like it shouldn't change so changes to layer two should it affect layer one you know that's the i would argue i would probably hope not Again, I am an ignorant rube, but yeah, that does seem. I mean, that is like a lot of the fud against lightning. Yes, like the urban arsons, Desantises of the world, who I have a lot of respect for, but saying that like lightning could sort of bastardize the the purity of the protocol level, which I would like to avoid. I I agree, 100%. and I think and I I would argue that most lightning developers and people building that protocol would as well. Um, I think the interests are aligned. Yeah. It's just a matter of will they remain aligned as mm -hmm. as time moves on because lightning does tend to move faster. And so if it's a blocker for lightning, you know, improvements that we need a soft fork of Bitcoin, will it be enough adoption in lightning that now there's a pressure on the protocol and then consensus is no longer met and now we have this, you know, back and forth of how do we settle it, you know? It's, a problem i think yeah and so maybe this is a good parting though slightly depressing note like or question talk about like what if bitcoin fails in the long run i think it's getting to a point where it may not uh especially if it has like another decade under its belt but i think the there's still a real possibility that lightning could fail right it could prove to not be what we thought it would be right i, I think it it probably won't fail in the sense that it wouldn't work. I think, if anything, a I, I would like to say a better alternative, right? So I would like to think Bitcoin is here to stay and it won't change and, and it'll remain as the native digital currency. But we don't really know the future. And, and, you know, the same way Satoshi came up with this, you know, when is the next Satoshi coming out that comes up with something brand new that's different, that's better and has uses test battle tested technologies, you know, put them together and it's a better solution. You know, we don't know. And so I would like to think lightning will remain, but who are we to know the, the best we can do is teach, develop, build and, and see how it, how it works. Yeah. I guess the better question is how could you see it failing? Like what, uh, what would be the avenues through which it, you, you as a developer decide, Hey, this actually is not what I thought it was. From a development standpoint, I think it's it's doing really well. I think if there's a scenario where um, tools, development tooling doesn't get quite as friendly. So from a development standpoint, that would be the only big hurdle there. I think for adoption, we've been discussing this the whole time, there's many, many hurdles to, to go through. You know, All of these 1.1 updates need to happen in order for your average Joe have a phone that connects to the Lightning Network. and better wallets, you know, better UX flows. There's there's a lot that needs to be done for adoption. I would agree. But I'm optimistic. I think the pace that things are going at now is remarkable. And again, I, I write this in the newsletter at least once a week. Slowly but surely, Bitcoin is creeping further and further to the psyches of the masses. And it's clinging its roots. I don't think it's going anywhere. No, the, the brand is too strong. You're... you're your hairdresser, your cab driver, your, your, you know, cook, every, everyone knows of it. It's just, they might not know it, but they know of it. Yeah. And at this point, it's, you know, the, the turning point is already gone. I think there's no turning back. There's no turning back. All hope is gone. <laughs>
Bitcoin forever. Yeah. So this has been a fascinating conversation. Pleasure that you decided to join me tonight. Uh, that didn't even make sense. I, uh, <laughs> I'm happy you decided to join me tonight. Do you have a parting note for the freaks out there, Andre? Um, learn about lightning. It's it's the new wave. It's um, you know miles better in terms of use cases. I think people really see it once they understand it. And you know, get get messy. Run your node. Run your full node. Run your L and D nodes. I'm here to help. Tons of people are here to help. Get messy and learn it, and you'll start to see the light. And and from then on, I think it's just fun and games. Play lightning chess. And hello, Koala Studio, everyone. Koala Studio, koalastud.io. Best best domain ever. It's a money domain. Andre, I love what you and uh, the koala are doing. Uh, very big fan of Lightning Chess in particular. Thank you for coming by. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was this was awesome. Great discussion. Yeah, I'm sorry I drank four beers in front of you. I just chugged, and I feel like I, t- I took most of six back here. I'm, I'm two down. That's good. It's all good. Yeah. Um, freaks, thanks for hanging out. If you're still here, peace and love. Take care.